Welcome to the podcast, Shelly. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited. This is great. <laughs> this is actually my first podcast, I think, ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for making this your inaugural podcast trip. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Could you tell my audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, the bio question. Hey, <laughs> always like, what is my bio going to be? Um, I am a 38 year old woman, mother, um, partner, and I have um, struggled with ADD um, until I've channeled it into magic for myself. Um, I am the YMCA community programs manager in Penticton, and I am a living kidney donor among, (laughs) among many, many other things. Humans are so complex. It's so hard to, (laughs) it is a loaded question. Hey, here's 30 seconds. Tell me who you are. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you work with the YMCA. Has it been challenging during the pandemic? Yeah, it has been, um, but we have absolutely conquered. So when the pandemic hit in March 2020, many of the programs that um, are much like ours in different regions all shut down. And um, the staff in Penticton are absolutely incredible. And we all came together and we were like, we're going to make this work. So we have different programs that help um, at-risk youth, we have a, a daycare center. We have a program for youth who are on the autism spectrum. And so these individuals often really rely on these social human services for mm. um, human connection and support. Yeah. So we just came together and the whole team decided we were, we were going to do it whatever way that we could. So uh, an example of how we push through is in our employment program, we were dropping off um youth resumes in their mailboxes um we just did whatever we could to keep going and keep supporting so it's so funny when people talk about oh I learned how to bake bread or you know I started working out and I was like I've never been busier I I (laughs) I literally had never been busier and then the kids were all at home all five kids were at home and so we were um homeschooling and yeah, it was nuts. It was just stressful um, for <laughs> sure. Um, but it was, it was so fun. And the, the kids actually now will say that they miss lockdown. Oh yeah. Because we just, we had like this whole, I ran it like a day camp. Like we just had this whole itinerary every day of things that we did. We did like a little cooking show and we had so much fun. Yeah. It was awesome. I had some of my most beautiful moments, you know, in lockdown with my family and like bonding and also some of the most (laughs) challenging. Oh, yeah. You know, like it was like this, this um, total black and white, like there's no gray. It was like awesome or super challenging. (laughs) And I wouldn't have changed it, you know. Because of the, yeah, there's some beauty that comes out of it. And I'm I'm so glad you shared that because I don't think you're alone. My husband travels, so he was home yeah. when he normally would not be. And that was such a gift for my family, like mm-hmm. such a gift. And my 
baby was just becoming a toddler and my daughter got to be home to be with her when normally she would have been in school. And it's like, um, is it, I think it's just a lesson for life. Um, you know, things really just don't go to plan ever. And we either stand and enjoy it for what it is in the package it comes and make the best of it or, or we create our own misery, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, kind of thrive in crisis so initially I was just like we're gonna do this and we're gonna make it amazing (laughs) um you know after a couple of weeks Peter was like can we like put a little bit less in the itinerary like can we take it down a a notch and I was like yeah totally that's fair um and our oldest is 13 now he was 12 at the time and so it was a really special time because he he he's already working Mm. um plays hockey he's gone a lot so it was kind of a I don't know a last hurrah I guess before you know his peers become more important than his family and yeah he's already out again so much so yeah it was very 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 special for us oh you you have such a beautiful family and it's it's a unique um arrangement that you have yes we have a very untraditional setup so I say you know when people say sorry, not sorry. I say we're blended, not blended. So uh, Peter and I have five kids between us. I have two boys that are 13 and 10, and he has three kids, two girls and a boy. Um, as if anyone is going to remember all of this, there's just five of them. We'll just, five. We'll just keep, we'll just keep it to that. Um, but we uh, were both in the housing market at the same time. And we had just started dating. Like it, it was, we'd known each other for a while, but we had just started dating and, you know, we're, lo- I'm looking at an apartment, he's looking at an apartment and we, you know, we didn't qualify for very much. And then this half duplex that has two suites in it, um, came up on the market and we, uh, initially I wanted my friend Kara to buy it with me. And then Peter tried to get Kara to buy it with him. And then Kara just got cold feet cause she thought we were just crazy and so we were like, are we going to do this? Are we going to buy this place together? We've been dating for two seconds. <laughs> and are we going to live? Anyways, um, it has two suites. So he lives upstairs with his three kids. I live downstairs with mine. I have my own room. I have my own space. It is amazing. <laughs> I I think more people should live like this. Like, I don't know if Peter and I will ever get married. Like I just ha- don't have a need for it at all. But I think even if we did, we'd probably keep living like this. It- it's just so incredible. Uh, and there's so many reasons why it's incredible. The first reason of course, is that the kids have their own space and they get time with us. So in the mornings and at night, right. They, they have their primary parent there um, to spend that quality time because sharing custody 50, 50, you know, it's, it's hard being gone from them for a week at a time mm-hmm. um, another huge bonus is it removes expectations when you move in with somebody and you share a space with them there becomes an expectation or or arguments over who whose job is whose so when peter takes out my garbage he's taking out my garbage it's not an expectation and it's such a gift like every time we do something for each other in each other's spaces it's a gift mm. So it's, it's just, 
it keeps things so romantic. Like when Peter takes me on a date, he will go outside and go to my door and knock on the door as if he's picking me up. Like it's Aww, just so I magical. I, I love it. And it, it's so interesting because some people are like, what? That sounds so unromantic that, you know, if you want to be with somebody, you want to be up in their space and do the, go the whole nine yards. And um, yeah, I, but I just, it, feels so good and so right for us and where we're at and the kids like it the kids sometimes ask if we can blend they just love each other but I think the reason that they love each other so much and want to blend is because we're not blended right they don't know what it would be like to be in each other's space all the time Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really unique. It's interesting when I tell people about it, I don't want to like genderize the reactions, but I, when we tell people about our living situation, the men are like, huh? And the women are like, stop talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so cool. Like I, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I, I love it. So I guess I'm not... <laughs> you're a a wonderful exception like oh you know what I love anyone that creates their own happiness in whatever package that is Mm -hmm. I love it when people honor who they are and that's what we all need to get to it takes you so long to understand yourself and then another amount of time to be brave enough to start acting for yourself so thank you for doing that Thank you for creating your own version of your perfect life. And because when you do that and you share it, it gives other people a permission to do the same if it's right for them. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's interesting how people have fears around things that are different, like as if they're going to get sucked into the vortex of (laughs) blended, unblended or something. No, it's just about, yeah, you being free to do what's, great for you you know what people are like that's it's so weird and I'm like yeah it's weird it's awesome and, and <laughs> we teach the kids that what's weird is awesome yes um, what's not so awesome is being somebody you're not or just doing what other people are doing for the sake of doing it um it's it's no secret that just because it's traditional means that it works mm. you know, amen and really, um, you're you're listening to your own inner voice, yeah. and that's an that's an honorable and beautiful thing. And um, I think that's something that I'm drawn to in you is that you just own, <laughs> you really just own your life, and you celebrate it um, yeah. so beautifully. I I kind of, you know, social media for me is, I think it's a beautiful tool, and it's such an evil tool. Um, and I've started to approach it as a gratitude journal. Mm. My, my, all my social media is, is like using it for connections and business and a gratitude journal. That's Mm. it. I'm giving you some of the highlights and that's it. And, and that's what I think of in everybody else's profiles too. It's like, ah, that's a gratitude journal. That's their great days. Thank you for sharing your great days because it reminds me that we all can have great days. And so it, it can be used for so many things. And I, um, right. It connected me to you, right. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. Yes. But we yeah. use it in such a destructive way sometimes in, um, well, sharing untruths, I think maybe that's where yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. It's still an enig- enigma to me in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it and it's, it, it's impossible to know 
at times when someone's even even doing that, right? Like, yeah. um, I, th I think we're all pretty clear that we all have not so great days or difficult moments or difficult decisions. And, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's a scrapbook, right? I, I, I'm not going to scrapbook the, the, <laughs> the <laughs> argument. I'm not going to stop and take a photo um, while I'm having an argument with my, with my son about picking his socks up off the floor. <laughs> I mean, maybe I would, maybe I would, that'd be kind of funny. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, we're so, I don't know why we're so anti the highlights. Like I, I love sharing the highlights and celebrating. And then when you go back and look, yeah. oh, how, how fun is it to go back and look and be like, remember, like, remember that? Yes. Um, I love making little videos of things that we've done, like our camping trip and that I, I watch it and cry and I remember and, and then to be able to gift the kids with that later. Oh, for sure. For sure. I've, I'm my family historian for sure. And I did this one year, I did this one second every day. It was this, you just took really a couple seconds of a, of a beautiful moment in that day. And I did it for mm -hmm. a year. So I had 365, two, two or three second videos. And at that time I was pregnant, I was really sick. And I just feel real crap about myself at that time, um, yeah. just based on my circumstances. And I would watch that video and be like, what, why am I so hard on myself? Like, yeah, I had a beautiful moment every single day of that year. And I was very, very sick and worn out and all these things. Yet it just taught me uh, the power of my own perception, you know, mm -hmm. of my life and that I had so much more power over it than yes. I realized. Yes. Moving um, the focus, right? Moving yeah. the focus from what you don't want to what you do want. Um, yeah. Yeah. Per perspective and shifting um shifting the focus to what is great in your life is mm. is so empowering right and but it is about owning that power it is about owning um owning your own healing right and even owning your own joy and and sure. celebrating when you want to celebrate and feeling what you feel in difficult moments as well and 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 then deciding what you're going to do with that oh exactly yeah. And, yeah, it, it is truly up to us. Totally. Yeah. When I, um, the last few months of my marriage, I mean, we hadn't been sharing, we hadn't been sharing a room for a very, very long time. Like we were, relationships are all, always over much longer than people realize. Oh, yes. um, but I remember, I don't even know if there was like one pivotal moment, but I just, I just realized I'm responsible for my own happiness. I was so unhappy. And I was like, but I'm responsible for my own unhappiness. And I don't know why I did this, but every day I took a bath, every single day I took a bath. And uh, I think it was just because nobody, no, you know, my kids don't want to see me in the bath. <laughs> so they leave, me, they leave me alone in there. Um, so I would take a bath. I would meditate. I, I, I cried almost every single day and I wasn't even sure why I was crying. And I look back on that and realized that I was both grieving and coming to life at the same time. Mm. And, but I just, that ownership of, it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. I'm responsible for how I'm responding and how I'm responding is from where my focus is and, and, 
am I focusing on what I really want? And I, and when I started doing that, my, I really thought that doing that was going to bring me to a place where I could just stay. I could, I, I would find this inner peace, which I really did feel like I, I did. It's such a fond memory for me, even though it was such a circumstantially, it was a terrible time. Um, but sitting with myself and finding peace inside of me just by spending time with myself, I didn't always know what I was doing. Um, that I thought that that was going to help me to stay. And once I really did that work, I, couldn't stay like I I don't love the word couldn't but I I was just so compelled to leave it I it was like I just discovered my self-worth um and I I say this about about Peter like Peter's not my source of self-worth but he's definitely proof of it Mm. you know and so leaving was the same thing it leaving was was kind of this evidence to myself that I I deserved more. Mm. Um, and I, I leaving was so hard, but it was so empowering. Like I just, I literally felt like I, I came to life and I'd been sleeping um, numb in, in, you know, just complaining really, you know, what, what, what did I do back then? Just complain. And um, I just was sad, but didn't, but it didn't take anything into my own hands. Yeah. It sounded like you, um, you quieted yourself enough to, to actually get to hear yourself, you know, what you need and what, you know, your inner voice, your intuition, your gut, your, your soul isn't in your head, you know, it's in your, it's in your gut, it's in your solar plexus, right? Right. Yes. And it's just, it's such a quiet, voice that it it, I think it takes if we have been trained which most of us have in this modern world to to not listen to our own intuition and our gut Mm -hmm. it takes us a long time to to find her again him again and when you do it's like it is it's like a veil being lifted it's this oh my goodness yeah this whole time (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely I'm so sorry you know I'm so sorry to you in there that I've just been like I'm waiting here to to you know lead you on your own path of happiness because I know the way and I think it's like a mix between your ego right ego and your soul and um there's a there's it your ego is necessary but it can I find because I was in theater and performing you know the ego is such an interesting thing you have to have it to survive to have any sort of self-worth but um it can be so tied up in other people's expectations of you it's outside of yourself it's not internal yes it's like uh you forget that it's you are the one that's driving this skin suit yes (laughs) and if you don't start putting your hands on the wheel and really going where you want to go. You, mm-hmm. it, it, there's not enough time here. We don't ha- ever have enough time here to do all the wonderful things we can accomplish. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think I love that you guys live in a shared, unshared space. Mm-hmm. I just think that's beautiful. And, and I, I hope more people, 
you know, find unconventional ways of fulfilling their own uh, happiness, mm-hmm. and their own truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just embracing the idea that family looks different for everyone and life looks differently for everyone. I, I used to, and maybe it's that fear again, I, I'm not sure what the fear is rooted in, but hearing years ago, hearing people share things and it, it being different and being afraid of what was different. And now I just find myself being so open-minded to people's stories. Um, I love the uh, quote. I think it's a Glennon Doyle quote. I'm not. I'm not <gasps> You're um, quoting Glennon Doyle to me? <laughs> Upset. God, have we just become best uh, friends? <laughs> <laughs> um, but she says fear cannot survive proximity and it's so true the closer that you get to somebody the the more you seek to understand and really listen to their story um Mm -hmm. everyone's a friend that you just don't know yet so true (laughs) yeah and so and then it empowers you to also again go inward what Mm -hmm. do i want life doesn't have to look how it was prescribed to me to look um Mm -hmm. and you know breaking out of my marriage. And and I, I want to say too, that I really hope that we move away from this narrative that there's a villain and a victim, mm. because that's not how it is. It, it's, it's so much more complex than that. Humans are way too complex to have this right, wrong, black, white, when a relationship ends. Um, people can outgrow each other. They can head in different directions. They can discover that they don't have the same shared values or interests. It's just so much more complicated, but I just think it's important for us to, in the same way that we're breaking out of a traditional way of living, Mm. breaking out of a traditional perspective of what an end of a relationship is. Like I I don't view the end of a relationship as a failure. Um, I, I believe it's part of a journey, you know, in the same way that if you were to, um, climb a mountain range, well, you're going to go down before you go up again and you might trip and fall and it, and it's, it's not a failure. It's part of the story and, and the, the messy parts of our story, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna sit down my grandkids when I'm a grandma and go, well, in May, on May 20th night. 1999 <laughs> nothing happened everything went to plan it was the perfect routine you know th- those are not the, st- the stories we share mm-hmm. those are that's not exciting people love the messy and the moments of um you know uh, the moments before triumph the the moments that are dark because that's where we can connect to each other and that's where we need to hear each other's stories and know that it's okay to be at that place and you're not going to be there forever. It's part of the journey. Yeah. It's, it's just one step on that journey. And it's in my belief that, you know, I believe in soulmates, but it's in my belief that you don't have one soulmate. A soulmate can be a friend or, um, you know, even someone who came into your life for a purpose to teach you something. Um, yeah. And it, it's not, it doesn't have to be forever. And a lot of times it's not meant to be forever. A soulmate is someone that is supposed to affect change in your life. If you decide to take the lessons. Yes. Yes. 
And it sounded like your relationship was a soul mate. He was a soul mate for that lesson in your life. And then you became the next version of yourself. And that, um, I don't think anybody should ever apologize for evolving. No, no, that, and that's exactly it. And, but it's so interesting, like we're prescribed, um, this whole commitment and loyalty. Right. And, and, uh, I think the messaging can be that you're a bad person. If you break a commitment, if you, if you break what, what has been defined as loyalty. And I think the greatest commitment and the, and the greatest sense of loyalty has always got to remain to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you're in a situation, you know, it, it was like soul crushing, like there's hard work, like P Peter and I work hard at our relationship and there are off days and there's conflict and things that we need to work through. And it's a completely different feeling than it was before. It's like life giving work. Mm -hmm. um, work before was just like, a hamster wheel that was not going anywhere and was numbing me. Mm -hmm. I, I just felt like my, my soul was shriveling um, at that point because I, I, I was ready to grow. I was ready to evolve. And um, I was growing out of that relationship, the container of that relationship for sure. Uh, I, I also, uh, you know, when Peter and I first fell in love, I was like, Oh my God, like, why didn't we find each other sooner? Like why I'm, I, I would, I would ask those questions of, um, you know, why couldn't we be together sooner and love each other longer? And, and now I, I recognize that we wouldn't have the love we have if we hadn't been through what we both been through. We wouldn't appreciate each other the way that we do. We wouldn't have the same depth of gratitude or the, the desire to celebrate all the little things in our lives. I don't think we'd have the connection um, and we, and we wouldn't have the amazing kids that we have. Mm -hmm. So it, now it's like, I wouldn't change a single thing mm -hmm. because all that darkness, like all that hard, hard stuff just really refined who we are. And I, I think if we'd met earlier, maybe we wouldn't have made it. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. And my, my husband and I dated it. Um, 18, 19, and we had a seven-year, um, seven-year itch where I went off and did my thing, and um, we found each other later. And we no both say, yeah, we both say that we would not have made it were right. we to have stayed together. It was like um, we know the value in what we learned, and and I feel like for you, it's like you needed to become Shelly now. Yes. No, Shelly now has this kind of a love with, with Peter, but Shelly now had to learn things hard way in order to evolve to Shelly now, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and yeah. what a gift that is to see. Yeah. Like, I, I think um, you're, that's a really, really beautiful way to see if you're on your path and mm -hmm. on your true path is if you can look back at all of the things, the tragedies, the, and see, see the why. And then be grateful for those lessons that brought you to, to now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All the hard moments. All, all the hard moments. And grateful for all of them because mm -hmm. it, 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 there's a purpose. There is such a divine purpose. Yeah. 
and, and then the contrast, the contrast is so beautiful. If I didn't know the dark, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see the light the same way. So it's why I love living in Canada where we have the four seasons. Mm. Cause I, I struggle with winter. I, 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 I snowboard a little bit. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, like I, I just struggle in winter, but then when spring comes, I'm so appreciative that I just went through winter because I'm like every spring I'm like, was it this green last year? Like, was it this beautiful <laughs> last year? Like, it just feels like it gets more and more beautiful every year. And But it's only because you went through, like, slush and cold. And, I yeah. hate the winter, Shelly. You're speaking my love language right now. I have my, – my husband loves winter. He's a winter baby. He was born in the winter, so I think that has something to do with it. But I freaking hate it so very much. Yeah. It, it, I loathe it entirely, and – my argument is that you could like if you if you fell asleep overnight in any other season, mm-hmm. the season wouldn't kill you. In winter, yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you fell asleep in winter, it, it would kill you overnight. <laughs> so it's not my friend. It's not my friend for that reason. It will kill me if I fall asleep in it. Why don't we take a little break? If you've been listening to the podcast and you have a story to share, or if you have some feedback or a question, I would love to hear from you. I would love to share some stories on an upcoming episode so that we may pass the torch of our collective wisdom and rise together. Please reach out and connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at the Lilac Podcast or email me at thelilacpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. I would love to hear about your organ donation story. Yeah, I love sharing this story so much. And like most um, journeys in life, there's so much more behind the scenes. Um, the whole journey actually started in 2012 uh, because I got a pamphlet in the mail. Um, I normally just throw my junk mail right into recycling. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on a podcast. So I put it in my recycling. I don't throw it on my neighbor's lawn. Um, okay, I'm just checking. <laughs> um but I, I just looked at it and it, it, they were running the live life, pass it on campaign that year. And it was actually a pamphlet to fill out to, um, or you could go online and see if you were registered as an organ donor. And I was like, Oh, have I ever registered as an organ donor? And I looked it up and I had it. So I registered myself and my family. And then I just started reading about it and discovered this article around, um, the gap between how many people are waiting for transplants and how many people are registered. And it's quite a, quite a gap. It has um, come together a little bit over the, the, the past 10 years, but back then it was only 17% of BC uh, residents were registered. Wow. Yeah. And That's shocking. It is shocking. And, and what's even more, uh, what kind of drew me into the cause is that if, everyone registered and let their families know 
what they wanted, right? Because in a moment of tragedy, it's a really difficult thing as a family member to make a decision for someone without knowing what that decision, what decision would honor that person's wishes. Yes. So that's an important part of the, of the, the P2 is, is when, you know, register your decision. It, it can be yes or no, um, but let your family know uh, to, to kind of remove that, that difficult decision for them. Um, especially in a time like that. And, and so the thing that drew me in is that the, if everyone registered and had these conversations with their families, uh, there wouldn't be a wait. Like it's a solvable problem. Um, and I love the idea. I just absolutely love the idea of passing on um, my organs for someone else to live. And some people or like, that's such a morbid thought. I don't even want to think about it. And for me, it's so much more morbid to think about myself, my, my body going to waste or, um, you know, rotting somewhere. That's a nice yeah. thought. <laughs> um, so I, I, that's kind of what drew me into the cause. And then as I learned more about it, I actually had no idea before that, that you could even donate um, as a living donor. And you, the things you can donate as a living do donor are part of your liver, um, your, you can donate a kidney if you have two, and then you can actually donate lung lobes. Um, Whoa. yeah, I know it's, it's really fascinating. And now they're doing, um, uterus donations too. So that's Whoa. really cool. Yeah. So that people who maybe don't have a uterus or who, um, are struggling with infertility, um, yeah, you can, you can actually donate. Uh, your uterus so just them like I was just amazed by this discovery like mm. like you know and science is like so cool and how far we've come like can you imagine the first the first time they they did that it's just such a cool thing and I as soon as I read that you could donate your kidney I was like I that that's me I'm doing that 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 is part of the reason it's not it's not my entire identity but I that is something that I'm supposed to do while I'm on planet earth. And mm. I just knew it so instantly. I had this very unshakable feeling. So I um, started researching it. I, you know, was thinking about how people in my life might respond. So I wanted to make sure I had all of the available information around donating. And it was, uh, so I sent in a, an application. You have to fill out some paperwork initially. Um, and I was going to do it anonymously and then an old friend and I reconnected um, because I posted about organ donation and she actually posted like within 24 hours had a very similar post because she had also just become an organ donor um, a registered organ donor and uh, so we started this project called because I can project and all all it was um, was just to raise awareness and share people's stories so we like started traveling around it's very grassroots uh, we were never officially a, a charity or anything, but we just traveled around meeting people and um, and sharing their or organ donation stories. But before that happened, um, I did about three months of research and then I started sharing with my family what, what my plans were. And at that point in time, Leyland was one and Elias was four. So this decision you know, is, is bigger than, than just me. And so I I'm in my late twenties, I've got babies. Um, and I start sharing what I, 
what I am planning on doing. And then it came time to tell my parents. And my mom is uh, this, this wonderful, beautiful, caring woman who, <laughs> when she heard my plans, um, she was absolutely gutted. She was terrified. She was so scared and it, the, the fear just like gripped her. And this was the point in my life where I realized I had never done something that was, that was kind of disappointing my family. Mm. Uh, disappointing might not be the right word, but I was like, I, you know, I'm in my late twenties. It's interesting how like having your parents approval um, and having, having a, you know, not having conflict with them is it, it's remains important to you even when you're older. Mm. And so when I told my mom, she was so upset. And at first she was like, you can't do that. And, um, and she started softly. And then I was like, mom, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, I, I really want to do this. And then she was like, what about your kids? She was going to do anything. Like she would have thrown herself in front of a moving vehicle, I think, to get me to stop. And I totally get where she's coming from. I, I as, told, as a mom. I, I have so much empathy yeah. for where she was at. And she's not just thinking about me. She's thinking of the boys at this mm. point. And so she's so scared. And then it, it kind of went into like, a, well, what about the boys? And then she started like sending me all these stories of like, um, they were all conspiracy theory stories about like organ donation and, you know, they were, you know, gonna, they, they were gonna take both of them. And, oh, I know somebody who donated a, a kidney and he's never been the same since, you know, it just impacted his brain, <laughs> all that different stuff. Yeah. So, and it's, it's very funny for me looking back on it now. And at the time it, it gripped me. So she was terrified and then it that not the fear so much gripped me but the um not the fear of donating but the fear of disappointing them and doing something they didn't want me to do mm. um and it, that grip was really really strong and so i'd gone three months um really having this unshakable feeling of this is what i was going to do i was so excited about it i knew it was going to go perfectly and um, this conversation with my mom just rattled me so much. And I, I had actually come home from work and she had sent me an email and it was very long. Um, and it, it was, it was a, a hurtful email, again, kind of a last ditch effort from her to get me to not do it. Um, but it just hit my heart and I ended up taking the rest of the day off of work and the kids were still in, in care. And I just drove around aimlessly around town and I was crying and I, and I'm like, this is not something I can do if I feel, if I don't feel unshakable about it. And so I'm finding myself feeling, yeah, rattled. And so I'm, I'm driving around town aimlessly. I have nowhere to be. I'm crying. I don't even know why, but I end up at, at Walmart of all places. And maybe I was like, well, I'm better pick something up and not waste my whole day. But I'm, I'm sitting in the parking lot, I'm still crying. And I just remember looking up and saying, I just need that feeling again. I just need that feeling again. I feel like, I really felt like I was following my intuition, but if I was following my intuition, why do I feel 
um, shook right now? Why do I feel so rattled? I need, I need a sign. And I get out of my car and I'm still, I'm like dragging my feet like a teenager. Um, somebody probably thought I just got grounded or something. And I'm, I'm still kind of teary eyed and I walk into Walmart and this woman walks up to me and I thought she was a Walmart employee and she was going to get me a cart or something. I'm kind of out of it. And she walks up to me and she says, and I've never had anyone ask me this in my life. Um, she walks up to me and says, hi, would you like to be an organ donor? <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, she kind of takes a step back and she's like, um, would you like to be an organ donor? Would you like to register? We're registering people as organ donors today. And I was like, what? I was like, yes. <laughs> I would like to be an organ donor. Oh my God, I would I would love to be an organ donor. And this poor woman, she's a friend of mine now. Her name is Anique. And I just, I made her take a picture with me because it was exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. And then in that moment, I was like, oh my God, this is my sign. This is, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm absolutely doing it. And mm -hmm. Anique is a kidney recipient. And uh, she went home that day. We still t laugh about this. She went home that day and she she told her husband that she met the craziest woman she has ever met in her life because I never I didn't have the opportunity to explain to her like what had happened before I walked in there. <laughs> um she just saw my reaction and like I, we still have this photo of us in Walmart. It's just it's so funny. Um but yeah, I just walked out of there being like, "Okay, I can trust myself. I can trust my intuition mm. and, and I'm going to do this. And so then we, we were traveling around and I was starting the process. I was doing tests down at St. Paul's hospital in Vancouver. They, they check you for everything. Like I had every, I had an MRI and a CAT scan and um, kidney function test and ultrasounds and all different kinds of things. Um, it, it was, it was great. It was an awesome experience. The doctors and nurses were fantastic. And uh, while we were traveling and hearing different people's stories, we met a family um, in Langley and their, uh, Dan Danielle was the mom's name and um, her son's name is Aiden and Aiden was five at the time and Elias. So this is a, a year after I made the decision. Um, I met Aiden and um, Elias and Aiden are the same age. So it really hit home. Aiden had been on dialysis and waiting for a kidney since he was born. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that really, you know, that hits home, right? When, when it, you can really connect it and imagine what, what life would be like if, if, if Elias had been born with kidney disease. So I just knew when I met him, he, he was the one. Um, I recommend to anyone who is choosing to donate uh, I didn't tell Aiden and I didn't tell his mom until I'd gotten all the way through the testing. So I called, I called the hospital um, or the transplant center. And I, and I just said, I'd like to donate to Aiden. And, and I, if anyone is ever considering doing that, I highly recommend doing it that way. And the reason is that um, sometimes people just flippantly say, Oh, I'll donate a kidney to you. And not knowing how, if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to follow through on it, don't ever say that to somebody who's waiting. It's really, it's, it's quite an emotional roller coaster. Um, and the other thing is you might not be able to. Right. So, so you're, you're giving somebody um, hope that uh, you, you might not be able to follow through on. It's always touching um, 
recipients have told me that they're always so touched by anybody who steps forward. So it's not about maybe never saying anything, but just kind of getting through like the initial, the initial steps. It's quite a process I think is really, really important. Mm. So I went through the right to the end and then I was able to call them. I think I FaceTimed them um, and was able to tell them that I'd gotten the go ahead to donate um, to Aiden. Aiden and I are not a physical match, so we don't have the same blood type and um, there's other components or aspects to donating that, that weren't matching up. So what we did is there's this thing called the Parrot Exchange Program. And the, what the Parrot Exchange Program is, is if let's say, Ashley, you had someone in your life that needed a kidney and you were willing to donate, but you're not a match for them, you're gonna mm -hmm. enter into a chain uh, with with people like Aiden and I who are doing the same thing. And so I'm going to donate to your person and you're going to donate to a different person and their person's going to donate to my person. Right. But you need every link in the chain for that to work. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had two chains fall apart. So from, from the time that we got the go ahead to the time that it happened was like uh, almost a year. Um, and then finally they said, are you willing to travel across the country? And I was like, absolutely. And uh, ended up going to London, Ontario uh, to donate there. And uh, it, it remains really, really confidential who you're donating to um, mm. in, in that chain. Uh, but we accidentally got put into the same waiting room <laughs> and it was uh, another young boy um oh. who was who was my recipient so that was pretty special oh yeah. amazing yeah, yeah it, it was an incredible experience the I I don't I forget that I've even done it it it, it has had no bearing on me physically long term I feel the same as I did before uh, I was playing hockey four months after um <laughs> donating uh, it, it has not, the recovery was a recovery. Like I had to take some time and it was hard for me to, to stay still, but, um, I, yeah, I feel amazing. And yeah, it was just such a cool experience and such an incredible opportunity. And I know that not everybody is, is going to go through this life being afforded that kind of opportunity. I, I, I would liken it to the adrenaline rush of uh, skydiving, but with this incredible impact on, on somebody um, and uh, something that I also always say when I share this story is that it's so important to remember that I walked into the hospital healthy and I walked out of the hospital healthy and mm. I have not had to warrior through chronic illness and but I get all the glory you know like I I've gotten all the glory but people who are fighting through chronic illness, who are on this planet, working through physical and emotional pain um, are the heroes and the warriors on this planet. I don't know what that's like, you know? Um, so it was an incredible opportunity for me. And I, and I feel I f it's, it's something I'm definitely proud of that I, that I did. And it, it just, it wasn't that hard. Mm. It, it wasn't that hard. Wow. The power of following your intuition. Hey, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. 
And I love that you shared that moment when you're in, you know, in your car and like, I think most of us can relate to those moments in our life where it's just like, um, we, some of us reach up to something else above ourselves, you know, whatever you call it, creator, love, God, whatever you call it, but like Mm -hmm. the power of prayer, the power of being like, I, 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 like, I believe in spirit guides. I believe in all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, one thing that's not really common that people don't know is you have to, you have to start the dialogue. Yes. You are the one that has to say, Hey, I need a sign. (laughs) I need a moment. I need something to tell me that I'm on the right path and Mm -hmm. to know that I'm not alone. And you can fill, um, you know, an entire library full of stories of people who, who, you know, get answers, get a sign. And we just have to start the dialogue. We just have to surrender. Yes. Yeah. And get quiet and And get quiet and quit the other noise for a minute. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just, I, I don't even fully know what I believe and I, and I'm okay to not define it. And I know there's something like that was just one of the most magical moments in my life. Uh, it's just simple. It was at Walmart. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it can happen but, at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was just so magical for me. And, and it also, you know, I think anytime that you feel this outside presence, that outside presence always points you back to inside of yourself. Oh gosh. Yeah. The thing is we are, we're all connected. We're all part of the same thing and we're just calling to whatever has, uh, whatever, wherever we started. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and that requires us to connect to who we really are inside the real part of ourselves, not the, not the bullshit. No. Yeah. Oh, and we all bullshit sometimes. <laughs> None of us are above that. That's sure. no. um, okay. So I would really love it if you could talk about, I had no idea that you um, have ADD and how, yeah. when did you get your diagnosis in with that? Well, <laughs> I, I, my son was diagnosed, um, I, I think about three or four years ago. And, um, the doctor, the pediatrician, it was a long process. Like we, he went through like a really full assessment and, uh, he was just struggling at school and we wanted to do whatever we could to help him. And the pediatrician walked us through the entire assessment. And it's basically a description of, um, ADHD. And I, she said, you know, it often runs in the family. It's often genetic. Like, do you know where? he may have it may have come from and and I'm like yeah because you did just described my personality um, (laughs) in in this information like I was just shocked um and and so I I had diagnosed myself essentially and then just started doing a whole bunch of research on it about three or four years ago and I was like wow this is why I've struggled and and it's it often goes undiagnosed in women because we are um uh, people pleasers, not, not by nature, but by nurture. And, um, so I got by with my social skills, Mm. but I would not be mentally present 
in any of my classes. Like I have no idea how I passed. I had 135 unexcused absences when I was in grade nine. Um, but that was back when you could just throw the attendance sheet out on the way home. (laughs) 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 They didn't have this online stuff. Good Um, old paper. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, it, it was so nice to, it was validating. I was like, that's why I struggled so much. That's why I, because I've always considered myself to be an intelligent person, but I just struggled so much to stay committed to my, to my schooling. Um, Like I didn't finish college. Uh, I, and I just couldn't figure out why, what seemed to be so easy for the people around me, so difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was really great to find out like why things were harder. And then um, I did get diagnosed uh, by my own doctor. I finally, I finally went and, um, but I've really developed a lot of coping mechanisms throughout the years. Um, Yeah. Many, many things, internal things, writing checklists. So I write myself checklists every day at work and I will write down on my checklist things I've already done just so I can check it off because it just like it motivates me so I've already you know made my bed or whatever I I add that to my list I check it off makes me feel good keeps me organized um yeah and I I've been just just recently just started working out in the morning and that has been incredibly helpful for me to stay focused uh for the day but it's also you know when you find out you're nearsighted you go and get some glasses and, and so it's the same thing when I, I, I own it, I own it and it's not a hall pass, you right. know, it's because I have a ADHD, I, I've removed the hyperactive, maybe I shouldn't, I'm probably pretty hyperactive, um, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I can't focus. That doesn't mean that I can't get better at, you know, not interrupting people or, um, remembering where my keys are it doesn't mean that I can't create systems so that I can function a little bit better in life what it does do it just it gives me the grace for myself because before that I, I was like why what is wrong with me mm-hmm. what why can, why am I not just not getting the memo for how to function in life like everybody else is and and I know people were having their own struggles too like when when you get older you look back you're like okay I wasn't the only one but um, no, it's yeah. totally valid. Like you need to be validated, you know, mm-hmm. to be seen. Yeah. You know, like I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, um, mm-hmm. this year and a similar thing of just being all of these things, um, just were seen and it's like, Hey, it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. really hard. Yeah. Actually like not everybody is in so much pain as you are or you know what I mean like whatever it is whatever Mm um you know I think we all need to be seen uh we need to be seen in the in the package that we're in and and given permission to feel the things I think yes for myself I'm it's taken me how many years to get to this point where um I, I give myself permission to not have a good day and to not be myself up for feeling bad. Yes. Yeah. You know, like why, why is it that we're conditioned to like, well, you're feeling crappy. I'm going to make you feel even crappier. Yeah. Like it just makes no, no sense at no. all. It's like, 
actually human body today, yeah. you're feeling A, B, C, D, E. Yeah. I'm going to be super kind to you. I'm going to talk to you like you're four years old mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and maybe tomorrow's a better day. And yeah. if we can shift our kindness in ourselves yes, um, and sharing our truth is part of that. And thank you for, for sharing that because it, it, it allows us all to be seen. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm such an open book because, because when you are given information or insight like that, it sets you free. It sets you free. I don't want to be in a silent prison struggling on my own. And, and I love the idea that anything that I share with other people could, can help them to be like, Oh yeah, maybe things were harder for me for a reason, not mm. because I'm there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. know, like, oh, you, yeah, you feel terrible, you know. It's like, well, you're must be a terrible person then, yeah, because you're feeling yeah. terrible. Like, it's just such a backwards way of of thinking, and I, I, I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that mm-hmm. everybody I talk to is like, yeah exactly yeah you know but we're just not talking about it you know we're not talking about the fact that we have to be we have to talk to our ourselves as if we're our five-year-old version of ourselves mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. uh yeah. all yeah. freaking time because some days ashley doing the dishes that day was like high five girl you did the dishes today <laughs> like you yeah. did that you did those dishes and yeah. And, and you know that that today was very hard to do. It may not be hard for whatever, whoever, but mm-hmm. you, cause I'm living in you. Mm-hmm. I know it was hard for you. So um, what a monumental impact that has had in my daily life mm-hmm. to celebrate myself mm-hmm. in the incremental moments um, is a huge, huge gift. And I have even a character for my, like these people in my head when I'm like cheering myself on. Yeah. No. And it's just, it it helps me. It really helps me. Yeah. Yeah. I have this sign in, in my room right now and it says, own your healing, own your joy. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the responsibility of, of healing and, and doing the work of figuring out how you want to navigate through life. But then also, yeah, celebrating and owning your joy and like, don't, don't wait for the other shoe to drop. Just be in the joy that you've cultivated in your life. And, and, um, Brene Brown, another, another, another winner in my, oh book, yes. um, she talks about how people actually struggle to stay in joy. And when I read that, I was like, oh, I don't have that issue. I love laughing. I love, but I did catch myself being like well, what's coming? If I'm feeling happy right now, what, what sadness is coming? And, um, or or we even downplay our our joy to other people. It's like, we feel bad that we feel good. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And so I love that. Yeah. Like celebrating all those things. Um, yeah. And, and being vocal with ourselves. And, and, you know, I, I find when I'm being unempathetic or short with someone else, it's because I'm not extending grace to myself. Mm-hmm. It's just saying so much more about how I feel about myself in that moment. And yeah. And Oh just- my goodness, Shelly. I'm so with you on that. I, um, something that percol- was percolating with me lately is um, the phrase that 
you will feel in others what's unresolved in you. Yes. Yes. You know, you, when you're out and something triggers you, yeah, it's not about them. It's about you. (laughs) And if we all just start putting that lens and putting the mirror back for ourselves, Mm -hmm. being like, you know, I cannot control anything outside of myself. Um, but it sure as heck can, can start to, to deprogram things that aren't working anymore. And just accepting those, those responses, right? Like that initial mm-hmm. response, that's information and observing mm-hmm. it without judgment. My, that's what my therapist always says, observe it without judgment. It, it just is what it is. And it's telling you something. So it's like, I've actually come to like, appreciate those moments where I'm like, oh, why do oh. I feel so strongly right now about totally. that thing that has nothing to do with me? Oh, there's, there's somewhere to like dive in. What's, what's going on there? Why am I angry? Oh, it's actually, cause I'm afraid well, what am I afraid of, you know, and, and, and walking yourself through that when I to kind of circle back to our living situation. And some people have had some strong emotional responses to our living situation. And I'm like, Whoa, like (laughs) you don't have to do it. Um, And, and I think that it's fear and it's their Mm -hmm. perception of, of our living situation that that for them means something different. Maybe it means disconnect. And so they're afraid because they, they don't want that. And it's okay to not want this, but it's about shifting again to like, well, what do you want? Cause, cause focus on what you want and then build the life around those core values. Um, but yeah, it, it, emotions tell you something. I'm like, I, I've come to love my emotions so much because they always provide for me kind of a, a, a light post for where I need to kind of dive in next. For sure. Your, your fears and your triggers are meant to serve you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's highlighting the things that need your attention. Yes. And it's never about someone else, you know? No, never. And, and someone else's perception of you is, yeah. is a, none of my damn business. No, <laughs> like, no. you know, my, your perception of me isn't my business first. Mm-hmm. And your perception of me is a reflection of you. Yes. Yes. And that's yeah. it. And, yeah. um, yeah. and really it's, it, it, you have social media and you have this way of living and that becomes really distorted because, um, ultimately, we're only in charge of our own happiness and, and the rest is up to you, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do with it as you will. Oh, um, and the empowerment that comes with that, right? Like, it's like, why, do, why don't I do this all the time? Like it's, it's <laughs> so much more free. I'm so much more free when I let go of trying to control other people's <laughs> perceptions of me or their, um, their reactions or their, whatever is going on for them or, um, yeah. And, 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 and owning that too, right? Like I've just been all about ownership these days because the <laughs> more that I own, the more empowered I feel, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 like j- just, uh, to compare the two, like I, Peter and I don't share finances. Um, we actually have it set up so that we pay the same percentage of square footage we use up in the house. Um, fair. So- so he has 58% and I have 42. So that's the percentage that we pay for the, for the house and the bills. But aside from that, like it totally separate. And so that is so empowering because I am solely responsible for my, for my finances. 
And there's just something that is so freeing about responsibility in that sense. Like if I just accept that this is in my hands and, and remain accountable to myself for being um, smart with my finances, there's just like this freedom that comes with, with that. Whereas when you're kind of relying on somebody else to manage that for you, it's just not the same. Yeah, it's definitely, you're not owning your own power for Mm -hmm. sure. And you're also just, just answering what is true to you. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love that being like, actually, I like this, this way. Mm -hmm. I like being independent in this way. And I think I'm going to keep it. And um, thank you for, um, I, I always call it like being your own flavor of ice cream, you know? Yeah. Thank you for being your own damn flavor of ice cream, Shelly. And thank you for sharing your story on the podcast. And it's been so nice to talk to you. And I just, I'm just really grateful. And I really hope that other people look into organ donation after hearing your story and at least just register. Yes. Everybody can just take one minute and register right now. Um, You know, miracles can happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that impact, right. That impact has a ripple effect. You've no idea um, the impact you have on families. Aiden's family had never been camping. They camp, they swim, they weren't able to do any of those things before. So yeah, it has an impact on so many more people than, you know. To learn more about how you can become an organ donor or to see if you've registered to be an organ donor, please go to www.transplant.bc.ca. And if you don't live in British Columbia, please Google how to become an organ donor in your local area.